week. So let me remind you of what we're studying. Get your Bibles out. We'll get back into our Bible study. But since we missed a week, let me just remind you of what we've been looking at. We're doing a Bible study called Who's in Charge? And it's all about authority. Everyone's favorite thing to talk about, especially as a teenager, right? Don't you just love talking about who's in charge of you, right? Who's got authority? And so the last couple of weeks, uh, we've done two weeks. We missed last week, so this is our third week in the series. Uh, the first week, we saw that all authority has to come from somewhere or else who is in charge. There has to be a central points, uh, some beginning, someone who is ultimately in charge and who has delegated that authority to other people. It's kind of an umbrella effect, right? Somebody had to establish authority in the beginning, and of course, we would say that's God. God created everything, and so by definition, since he's the creator and he created everything, that means that he's the one who's in charge because he made it, and that's very, very simple to understand, and so what we saw the first week was because God is the creator and is the ultimate central authority, we can look to his word, what he said in the Bible, and we can take that as our ultimate authority, not just for us and our daily lives for sure, but also just the ultimate authority for the universe, for, for the world, for humanity, for everything. Whatever God the creator says, his words are our truth, they're eternal and they're authoritative. And so we saw that the first week, and what that means is anything that in God's word is true, it's authoritative. And so in God's word, Romans 13 tells us that he delegated authority to different people. And we're looking at a couple of those in this series. So let me just remind you of Romans 13, 1 and 2, which is kind of the key verses for this study. Romans 13, 1 says, Let every soul be subject under authority unto the higher powers. Powers just means authority. For there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. Ordinance means law, command, rules. And so the, the idea of these two verses is God is the ultimate authority. He is established and ordained, set in place other certain authorities under him. He has allowed them to be there. And because of that, verse 2, if you resist those powers that he has put in place, you are ultimately resisting God because he's the one who put them there. And what we've seen the last, uh, well, after week one, what we saw last week was a, an authority that God has placed in your life specifically and in each of our lives, it, for at least for the first 18 years of your life, is our parents. And so we saw Ephesians 6 that says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And, and we saw, if, if you don't remember that, you go back and listen to it on our website, because that was two weeks ago. We saw that not only does God command it so we should do it, but man, it's, that is the first commandment with promise. God literally gives us rewards and promises of blessing if we'll just simply honor and obey our parents like the Bible tells us to. So that's worthy of, of going back and listening to if you weren't here for that two weeks ago. This week, we're gonna keep moving down the line of other authorities that God has placed under him and, and told us about in his word. And we're gonna talk about the authority of church leaders today. The authority of church leaders and pastors. And the reason I say church leaders is because I don't want you guys to just think that I'm on a power trip up here and it's all about me and my authority. Certainly not. I'm going to say the word church leaders, that phrase, because there's other people in the church that have authority, not just the pastors. There's deacons, there's, uh, there's teachers, there's certainly the counselors here in Ignite as well. So we'll just say church leaders in general, and that includes 
those people that are over you, your counselors, me, your pastors, your other pastors, the deacons, stuff like that. And we're going to see what the Bible has to say about church leaders tonight. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 13. There's really only two main verses that I want us to see tonight, but that's going to be the basis for our study. Hebrews 13, verse 7 and verse 17 are going to give us some info about church leaders and pastors. Verse 7 of Hebrews 13 says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Then skip down verse 17. It says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So how do we know who this is referring to? It doesn't say pastors specifically. Well, that's true. But we do see that it says, remember them which have the rule over you. So there's some sense of authority, comma, those who have spoken unto you the word of God. And in context, those two verses are talking about those who teach you the word. Those who teach you the word of God. That would be pastors. That would be church leaders. That would be your counselors, your disciples. Remember them. Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves. So we see that that authority comes with that responsibility that God has given church leaders. They have spoken the word unto you. We'll see more about that in a second. God says to do a few things. So number one, this is a really easy outline tonight. I just want to dissect these couple of verses. How should we treat church leaders? Well, of course, you could just give really easy, generic answers like respect and obey, submit, of course. Of course, but I want us to see what God's word says in these two verses about how to treat church leaders, pastors, deacons, counselors, all of that. Letter A is just remember them. That's what it says in verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you. Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God. Well, that's, that's kind of a weird thing to say, remember them. Does it just mean, like, don't, don't forget about them? Like, I don't know about you, but do you guys ever go to school and just not think about me? Like, I, I, no, that's, that's I, I, you know what? I'm not sad. If you guys thought about me once a day, every day, that'd be kind of weird. That'd be kind of weird. I mean, I'd be flattered. But I don't think the Bible is referring to just remembering and not, now, it'd be really weird if you just, like, literally forgot about me. You came in here and you're like, who are you? That, that would be questionable, and you might want to get your head checked. But, but that's not what the Bible's referring to here. So we see the word remember used a couple different ways. And it used in a similar fashion would be Exodus chapter 20, whenever God's giving the law. We've got the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. And it says in verse 8, one of the commandments is to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Does that mean don't forget Saturday exists? <laughs> no. God is saying remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Remember in this context and used this way in the Bible is referring to keeping it in mind continually and especially with regard or respect. So God's law for the Israelites in Exodus 20 was to remember the Sabbath day. In other words, it would be to observe it, to celebrate it. Don't forget what I said to do with the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Observe it. Respect it. Don't work on that day. So remember has m less to do with just literally not forgetting information and more with holding something in regard, keeping it in your mind continually, especially with a specific purpose. We see that again in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. It says, Remember now thy creator, capital C, talking about God, of course, in the days of thy youth. Remember now thy creators. It's not just saying don't forget that there's a God. And maybe 
Today, you could argue maybe that is what it should mean nowadays. Don't forget, there's a God. But what he's saying here is remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. Don't just roll on through life, living it up like, like there's no God. No, remember. Keep in regard. Keep with respect. Keep it at the forefront of your mind, thy creator in the days of thy youth. You can keep reading in Ecclesiastes 12 and see the reasoning and the benefits for remembering God, especially in your youth. So it's more than just not forgetting. It's, like I said, keeping something at the forefront of your mind, regarding it, respecting it. And so that's how we're to treat church leaders, is to remember them, not to just brush them off as like, oh yeah, that guy who teaches the Bible, whatever, that, that person. No, remember these people, especially your counselors, your pastors, all those people. Well, how do we do that? Well, the verse goes on to say, whose faith follow. This is really simple. I mean, I'd it, I didn't have to do a whole lot with these verses. So we're going to follow their faith. That, that's how you can remember them. Follow their faith. People are flawed, right? Nobody's perfect. The only perfect person that you could ever follow would be Jesus Christ because he was 100% man, but he was 100% God. So that's the only person in the history of people that you could follow who never screwed up because he's not flawed. Everyone else, even the most perfect person you could think of, is messed up because of sin. The Bible tells us that, right? Romans 3 tells us there's none good. No, not one. Everybody is flawed. So why would God tell us to follow men? Well, it has to do with how we set this series up, that God is in authority and he delegates authority. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians is written by Paul, the apostle, who was a pretty good dude. But if you know anything about Paul before, he was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul, and he was a pretty bad dude, and he killed people, and he beat them for disagreeing with him, essentially, all these things. Saul had a really rough background, but then he got saved, and God changed him, and, and he became an apostle, and, and, he, and he became an amazing preacher, and he wrote half of the New Testament, and God used him mightily. And in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, this man, who in Romans 7 says how flawed of a man he was, Paul acknowledged that he was a flawed person, just like we are. But look at 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He says to the Corinthians, his, the church that he planted, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Well, why would Paul, knowing that he's flawed, say, follow me, Corinthians, even though I screw up sometimes? Well, he's telling his disciples and his churchgoers to follow him because his faith is the model that they're to follow. As he follows Christ, that's the key. Fo be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. You're following, Corinthians, Paul's faith. Of course Paul the man is going to screw up. Of course Paul the man has, has a different personality than, than some people. You're following his faith. So that's what you're to do when you, when you follow and submit to your church leaders. The counselors in this room, whoever is discipling or discipled you, me, the other pastors on staff, deacons, church leaders, you, you follow their faith. You don't have to agree with every single thing your pastor thinks. Dare I say, you don't have to have the same political views that they have. That's a hot button topic. By the way, next week we're going to talk about government. That'll be fun. You don't have to agree with everything that they ever think. You don't have to enjoy everything that they enjoy. Does anyone in here like coffee? Do you, is anyone in here not like coffee? Like, don't like coffee? See, like, I disagree with those six people right there. That's okay. <laughs> I think coffee's amazing. And maybe someday, you guys, you'll get on the same page. But that's okay. You don't have to enjoy everything that they enjoy. You know what? You don't even have to, and you shouldn't, 
hold them up on a pedestal and pretend like they never mess up and they're, they're perfect. And, and you don't have to do that. But you should follow them as they follow Christ. You're following their faith as they model it for you on a daily basis. Paul says it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 15. He says, For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers? For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, because of that, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Your, your, your church leaders aren't just teachers. Yes, they teach you the word of God. They're supposed to, of course. But Paul says to the Corinthians here, listen, I'm not just a teacher. He says, you got 10,000 instructors, but you don't have many fathers. That's the key to discipleship. That's the key to church leaders and to counselors and to pastors. We're here to help you grow. We're more than just teachers. We're like parental figures. We want to see you grow in Christ. That's why we're here. That's why we do discipleship. It's why we study the Bible. We want to help you grow in your faith. You see that? And Paul says, listen, Corinthians, I'm, I'm more than just your teacher. I'm, I'm, I'm like your, your father figure. I've begotten you, it says, through the gospel. Paul says, listen, that's why you should follow me. I'm kind of like your dad, he says, because I've spiritually begotten you through the gospel. That's how discipleship works. And so he says, because of that, be followers of me. So because of this, your church leaders and your counselors, they love you, they care for you, they desire to see you grow in the Lord, they want to see you do well, they want to see you make good, wise choices and be discerning and follow the Lord. So you should have a similar respect for your spiritual leaders as you do your physical parents. Now, if you don't, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> I, maybe you need to go back two weeks ago and listen to the, our study on parents, Okay. Maybe that's the problem. But how else should we treat them? Follow their faith because we're going to remember them, but let her be, just simply obey them. Obey them. We talked about obedience last week or two weeks ago when we saw parents. But it says in verse 17, obey them, not just remember, but obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, right? So why? Why should we obey our church leaders? Well, if we're just gonna continue the same case, and I'm only gonna say this because I don't want you to forget it. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but this is, without practical answers, this is the answer. We should obey our church leaders because God's the ultimate authority, and in his word, he says to. Blanket statement, of course. But there are practical reasons as well, okay? So before you think, I'm just going on a power trip. L look at Proverbs chapter 5. I think this is really good. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but uh, just a couple of verses. But Proverbs 5 is, is going to uh, talk to a son and, and talk about what it's like to obey what the father has to say versus not obeying what his father or the teacher has to say. Proverbs 5 verses 1 and 2. The writer says, My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding. He said, listen to the wisdom that I'm going to give you and, and listen up to this understanding that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. He said, there's a reason that I'm giving you information. The re there's a reason I'm giving you wisdom. Listen up. It's not just to be controlling or have authority over you. It's because I care about you. I want you to do well. I want you to have discretion and that you would have knowledge. But if you go all the way down to verse 12 and 13, this is what those people say who don't listen to their authorities and their church leaders and their teachers and their parents. Verse 12, those people say, how have I hated instruction? And my heart despised reproof. Reproof is it's just kind of like correction, being corrected for doing something wrong. 
and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. Listen, all of the counselors in here come here every Wednesday night and help disciple you and and do activities with you because they want to see you grow and they want to see you do well. They care about you. And when you completely blow them off or, or they give you advice and you're like, I'm not doing that or whatever, you know what? Not only does that personally hurt them, but it's, it's not good for you <laughs> because they're here to help you. That's, that's the entire point. Why should we be, obey our church leaders? Well, because they're here for you. They care about you. They want you to be wise and grow in knowledge. But today, I, I think, and, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, because authority is such a hot-button issue. Like in, in the media, on TV, on the internet, anytime you see authority or something around authority, everybody's just against it. Everybody's just all up in arms about who's in charge over this and that, and you're not going to be in charge over me, yada, yada, yada. So I feel like when we get to the issue of authority in the church, everyone today just thinks that when a pastor's talking, that they just want to brainwash you into thinking what they think. No, hello, we want you to think what God thinks. <laughs> we're, we're preaching the Bible. It's not about brainwashing you into thinking, oh, well, my pastor just wants me. No, it's, we're teaching the Bible, and we want, you to, we want to see you do well. We want to see you grow. We want to see you gain discernment and not make terrible decisions that will affect your life later. That's why we teach you the Bible. That's why we care, and that's why you should obey because obedience is all about submitting. So the next thing is, how do you obey? You submit to their leading. Submit to their leading. I, I want to give you an example from the Old Testament, actually. Um, a guy named Samuel, who was a prophet in the Old Testament. And Samuel was a prophet uh, in the Old Testament before Israel had kings over them. Okay, I don't know how much you know about the history of the nation of Israel, but Israel comes, let me just give you a running commentary really quick. Very brief, Old Testament. Israel is enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They come out, they cross the Red Sea, they do the whole deal in Exodus, right? They spend, uh, they come out in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they wander around the, the wilderness for 40 years. God gives them the law. And then after 40 years in the book of Joshua, that we did at the beginning of the year, if you remember that, they cross over, the river into the promised land. And then in Joshua, they're, they're starting to claim the promised land and what God has given them. And then in the book of Judges, Judges is a wonky book, by the way. If you want an entertaining book to read, uh, just like a chapter a morning, read the book of Judges, man. Because the book of Judges, the theme over and over and over again is there was no king in Israel and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. There was no authority Everyone did what they thought, and it was chaos. And there are crazy stories. There's a chapter in Judges, I kid you not, where a guy has his prostitute who dies, chops her up into pieces, sends her into the 12 tribes of Judah, or of Israel, and then at the end of the chapter it says, and that was a strange thing. And then it just moves on. And it's like, what was that, man? <laughs> it's, Judges is crazy because there was no king in Israel. And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. But before there was a king, they had these things called judges. And God would pick, so it was just a different authority set up. It wasn't a king who was reigned supreme over everything. There was a godly man who God said would judge Israel. He had authority to judge right and wrong and to, and to, and to deliver Israel a lot of times when they were disobedient and got uh, enslaved to other nations. But these judges, Samuel was one. He would be the last one before their first king. And the people went a long period of time without a king, but they saw all the other countries around them. Well, the other countries have kings. 
We want a king. We want a, a king would be great. We want to be like the rest of the world. We want a king. God was going to give them a king eventually. He wanted the king to be David. But the people wanted something before it was God's timing, and that never goes well. But they go to Samuel, who was the judge, who was the prophet, and says, give us a king so that we can be like everyone else. Okay? And then in 1 Samuel chapter 8, Samuel is going to go talk to God and say, the people want a king. What do I do? God's like, listen, they're not rebelling against you. They're rebelling against me. Why? Because when you rebel against your authority, you're rebelling against God's authority, right? And he tells Samuel, just go back and tell the people, if you get a king, this is what he's going to be like. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 10, we got it up there? Awesome. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. This is what he's going to be like. And we'll skip through some of these. But basically, if you read through those verses, he says he's going to take your sons for war. He's going to take your daughters to be workers for him. He's going to take all of your fields and your lands and give them to his servants. He's going to tax all of your income. You don't have any of that right now. But if you get a king, that's what it's going to happen. Skip down to verse 18. And you shall cry out in that day because of your king, which he shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. What do the people think about what their spiritual leader and authority said to them? Verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, nay, but we will have a king over us. They didn't listen to their spiritual leader. They said, no, I think I know what's best. Give us the king we want. And God says, okay. And they get Saul. Saul was a bad king. You can read all about Saul in 1 Samuel if you want to. David comes later. That was who God wanted to be their king. But listen. The idea behind this story and this example is that God has placed spiritual leaders in your life, pastors, deacons, counselors, other church leaders, because they're there to help you grow. They seek your best for you, and they use God's word as their basis. It's not just opinions. It's not just, well, I think you should do this. No, it's always God's word. That's how we do it here at our church. I can't speak for every church, but at our church, what we do is we look at God's word and we give you advice based on the Bible. And so if you ask us something or we tell you something, it's based on that. Unless we say otherwise. We say, well, this is just my experience. Take it or leave it. You know, we, Bill's got a lot of experience. I, I get advice from Bill all the time. But when we give you biblical advice, that's why God has put us in your lives to help you grow and mature spiritually. And when you don't listen to the spiritual leader who is, is speaking on your behalf, by the way, they, they want you to do well, and you disregard what they have to say and what God has to say, you, know, you get things like this. Israel goes through a 40-year period with Saul as their king, and it's a terrible time. And his sons, eh, I mean, they're, they're terrible people too. What would have happened if they just simply submitted to Samuel's leadership and trusted him as God's authority in their life? Well, they could have skipped the Saul days and went to David. And David was a, a, a man after God's own heart. God also calls pastors in the Bible, he calls them elders. I want to show you in 1 Peter chapter 5, an elder. It, just, it doesn't just mean old people. It, it specifically means pastors. Or, or um, they don't have to be on staff, but those who shepherd God's flock teach the word. 1 Peter 5 verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. He, so this is what Peter is saying to other elders. He says, hey, feed the flock of God which is among you. That's your job, pastor. Feed the flock. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. He says, listen, take the oversight. Be in charge of your flock. Not by force, not by constraint, 
but willingly. Not for filthy lucre. Not, not the, the root of a pastor's mindset is never money. Of course, they, actually, just Jeff went over this a couple weeks ago in 1 Corinthians. They deserve to be paid, biblically, but that's not why they do it. It's not why they do it. Neither, verse 3, as being lords over God's heritage. See that authority? But being in samples to the flock. They have authority, but that's not why they do what they do. Peter is telling other pastors and elders. He says, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, that's Christ, you'll receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Verse 5, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So the elders are pastors and church leaders. And he says, feed the flock, not by force. Have oversight, but not, not controlling. You, you have authority, but be responsible, be humble. And he says to the younger, that would just be the people who are under the authority of pastors and church leaders. That would be anyone who goes to the church. Submit to those elders. Be subject one to another. The key is humility. It's being humble and understanding that God has put authority in our life for good, for our good, not just for, for those who are in authority to have ruling over people. That's not the point. If you keep yourself humble and always submit to authority, God's got your back. Seriously. Like, it's a theme throughout the scripture. If you're always humble and you just submit to authority, God's got your back. He says in verse 6 there of 1 Peter 5 that he will exalt you in due time. Why will he exalt you if you just be humble and submit to authority? Because, Romans 13, when you obey the authority, you're obeying God, right? Whosoever, therefore, resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. So you could also say those who submit to the power are submitting to God. See how that works? If you resist the authority in your life, you're resisting God's authority. But if you submit to the authority in your life, you're submitting to God. And he likes that. And he rewards that. We saw that two weeks ago with parents when we obey and, and honor our parents. So number two, moving on here. We saw how we should treat church leaders. Why should we treat them this way? Why should we treat church leaders this way? We kind of already saw the, the reasoning. It's because God's in charge and he says so. But there's more of a practical reason in these verses as well that I just want you to think about. This won't take long. I just want you to think about what the Bible has to say about church leaders and why we should treat them this way. Look back at verse seven of Hebrews 13. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Letter A, they teach you God's word. That's why you should obey them. That's why you should submit to, them, to their leading and, and follow their faith. If not for any reason, just respect them for what they do. You know? 1 Timothy 5.17, we've got that elders word again. It just means leaders and pastors, church leaders. Let the elders that rule well, be an authority, rule well, be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. The Bible says you should give double honor to those elders who labor in the word. Why? They're feeding you. When you go to do burn, if you've ever done burn before discipleship, those counselors are taking time out of their day to teach you God's word and to teach you how to live by God's word. You should give them respect and obedience just for that, if not anything else, that they're feeding you. God's word, they're helping you to grow. They deserve your honor, respect, and obedience, don't you think? God does. God thinks so. The verse says, it goes on to say, considering the end of their conversation. It's an interesting 
phrase. Conversation here doesn't just mean words. We could study it out in the Bible. We've done it before. We won't do it tonight. But the word conversation here, it means their, their entire behavior. Considering the end of how they act, how they conduct themselves, not just the words that they say, which absolutely go into that, but consider the end of their conversation, their, their, their entire behavior, how they live. Why, why should we do that? Why should we consider that? Well, have you ever considered the life of your pastors and your counselors here in Ignite? Have you ever considered that your counselors have families and kids that they willingly set, side, uh, set time as, uh, aside with to help you and to help you grow and to be with you here on Wednesday nights? Have you ever considered how counselors in here, they take time off of work and uh, time away from their families to be with you, to do activities, to go paintballing on the hill, to do overnighters, to disciple you? Have you ever considered your pastors over at FBC? They spend their days studying God's word to feed you. We spend time praying for you. We also visit sick people and dying people in the hospital, and we pray with people. We organize ministry. Then at night, we disciple you and teach you the Bible and serve at events. Then on the weekends, we lead the church, teach the Bible, preach the Bible, lead worship, invest in our leaders. Oh, and your pastors have families too. Have you ever considered it? I'm just saying consider it. That's what the Bible says. Just consider it. I don't say it all to like, you know, stand on a pedestal, I promise you. The Bible just says consider it. God thinks it's worthy. And it might change how you view and how you treat your church leaders. That's why we say it. Consider the end of their conversation. Consider why they live the way that they live. Because they're living for more than just themselves. They're trying to help you and to help you grow. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13 says, We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Who, who are these people? The ones who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. They have authority and admonish you. Um, admonish just means to teach or instruct. So we're talking about church leaders again. He says, Know them which labor among you and are over you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. If for any other reason you should know and love and obey and submit to your church leaders, it's for their work's sake, man. They feed you the word of God. And letter B, they watch for your soul. That's a weird thing. We're just saying what the Bible says here. It says that they watch for your soul. Back to Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that's unprofitable for you. So this is the biggie. This is what I want you to know if you didn't know this before. Did you know that I, pastors, Ignite counselors, watch for your soul? What does that mean? Well, man, when you make mistakes and make bad decisions, that hurts us. Like, not just because, like, I don't know. I, I don't mean it in a sappy way. I want you to know that like, we literally care for you in a way that when we see you make mistakes or see you in pain or something like that, that hurts us too. Like a parent. We watch for your soul, not just for your life. We watch and care for where, where your soul goes. So if you're not saved, we care about you. We want you to spend eternity in heaven with God. And if you are saved, we care about your rewards, your eternal rewards and your spiritual growth. And someday, the Bible says, as they that must give account, I and the others 
are going to have to give an account to God for you. And I imagine, and we won't do the long Bible study, but I imagine that at the judgment seat of Christ, when we're judged for how we serve the Lord after salvation, not for our works prior to salvation, but when we're judged for that, I'm going to have to give an account for every person that I've led and had authority over in the Lord. And I'll have to give an account for those people. So that, that says something of myself and why I need to do my job the way that I should do it and all that stuff. But here's the idea. Look at the rest of verse 17, Hebrews 13. They watch for your souls as they that must give account. Why? That they might do it with joy and not with grief. Man, will you be someone that on the judgment day, at the judgment seat of Christ, that I can give account to the Lord to with joy? Are you somebody that I'm gonna have to be grieved while I'm talking to the Lord about you? Same goes for all the other pastors, the other counselors in here. Are you gonna be somebody that we have to give an account for with grief? Or will you be somebody that we can give an account for with joy? Notice, for that is unprofitable for who? For you. Well, of course, if I'm giving an account to God for somebody with grief, that's gonna grieve me, but it's unprofitable for you, Christian. Why is that? It, it comes down to eternal rewards. First Corinthians 3, we could go there and look. The idea is this. If you don't listen and submit to your church leaders who are looking out for you and for your best and watching for your soul, if you don't do that thing and, and listen to them and submit to them, you're probably gonna end, off, end up doing things you shouldn't be doing which costs you rewards in the long run. It costs you things in eternity. It costs you things at the judgment seat of Christ. It's unprofitable for you. So, do you want to be someone that your pastors and church leaders have to grieve when giving account to the Lord? Or do you want to be somebody that we can rejoice with the Lord about because, man, look at that person. Look at that guy. Look at that girl. They grew, ever since they met you, Lord, they grew in you. And, and, they, and they shared you with their friends and they, and they went out of their way to be giving and to be loving just like you were. Man, that would be awesome. I, I, I hope that I have hundreds of teenagers who grow up to be adults who love the Lord that I can just rejoice with God someday at the judgment seat because of how awesome you lived for him. I'm not excited about the ones that I'm gonna have to grieve about. And there are many. If you want to be somebody that your church leaders can will, joyfully account to the Lord for, and, and more so than that, but just, but just be someone who they can willfully and joyfully feed with the Bible and counsel and help you to grow, just willingly submit to the authority that God's given your church leaders. That's all there is. That's all these two verses are saying. Just willingly submit to their authority as the word of God tells you to. We don't do it forcefully. Like, like 1 Peter 5 says, we don't do it forcefully or because we want to have control over you and authority. No, we do it because we love you and we want to teach you God's word and we want to see you grow. And we're watching out for your soul, man. We're not just watching. Like, like we're not just in here while we have you for three or four years in high school and we're just like, well, while you're here, let me tell you what to do. No, we want to see you in these three or four years of your high school career be set up to make good decisions and to love God and to follow God the rest of your life. So, just listen. We're, we're, not, we're, we're not out to get you. And just kind of like we saw two weeks ago with parents, they're not out to get you. They're there because they love you. We're here because we love you. Your pastors are here because we love you. And we want to see you do well and to grow. So, the next time your pastor or your counselor confronts you or just says something that you, you don't really like what they have to say, just back up for a second, take a chill pill, and just consider the end of their conversation. 
like the Bible says. They're there for a reason. They care about you, they love you, they teach you the word, they watch for your soul. So just consider the authority that God has placed for them in your life, okay? Next week, we're gonna wrap up the series and we're gonna look at government, yay. That's a hot button thing. It's actually good though. The, the, the Bible has something to say about government because God established government. So we'll see what the Bible has to say. It won't, surprisingly, it won't be political. How about that? We'll just see what the word of God has to say about the authority of government. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you so much for your word and that you just, if, if we're sincere and we're willing and we're honest and we'll just open it and read it for what it has to say, man, God, we can learn so much. We can learn so much about you. We can grow. And, and Lord, if we'll just come to it with the right heart attitude and not in a, in a way that is uh, begrudging or, or because it's our duty or like it's a responsibility that we have to get in your word every day, if we'll just come to it because we love you and love your word, you will, you'll be with us, you'll dwell with us, you'll grow us, and, and it's just a really good thing. So Father, I pray that each of us in here would just learn to love your word more each and every day. We would just learn to love you more and more. And Father, I pray that you would just show us how to grow and show us how to submit to authority. And even though authority is flawed sometimes, because men, fl- men are flawed. Parents are flawed. Church pastors can be flawed. Certainly governments can be flawed. But if we can understand the idea and, and, and what your word has to say about authority in general, we can learn how to submit to authority even when the men are flawed because we can respect the office that they have, even if the men or women in our life aren't as perfect as we think maybe they should be. We can follow them because we're following you. So Lord, we love you. Help us to be more like you. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.